Hello, you are listening to Holding Space for Therapists, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy. It is the end of March. We are in the middle right now of the COVID-19 coronavirus global pandemic and crisis. In our house here, we are on day 18 of sheltering at home. I just made lunch for my kids and snuck away to my son's room to record this, to get this episode recorded and out to all of you. I hope that you and your loved ones are staying safe, taking care, and staying healthy amidst this global pandemic. Now, I was thinking back to this episode that I'm sharing today with Stephanie of At Therapy Untangled. She's a colleague of mine, and you may know her, follow her on social media if you're on that platform. And I was thinking about this episode, and in this episode, we talk about meaningful ways that she creates content to really create a bridge from people who are following her on social media to actual paying clients, so converting clients from her social media platform. We explore some of the different mistakes that both of us have made and just some of the challenging experiences with that online marketing platform. Now, I think that this episode is actually really relevant right now. And the reason is because many of us are moving our private practices or clinical practices online. We're offering remote or virtual therapy right now amidst this global pandemic. And now we're not exactly sure how long this is going to last. And so while we may be transitioning our current clients to telehealth or teletherapy, we may also need to start implementing digital marketing into our business plan. So I want you to take a moment to consider how you right now reach potential clients. I know that for my own practice and business, when I saw an exponential growth in people reaching out and wanting to connect for therapy and my my business, my private practice really filling up and also feeling a sense of security that even as clients begin to terminate or transition because they're meeting their goals, that I would have a constant stream of new clients reaching out and coming in. That all happened around the time that I did two things. I started my podcast and I started actually utilizing social media professionally and as a way to market my private practice. So in this episode, Stephanie and I together share some real tangible ways that we utilize Instagram specifically to make authentic, real connections with our audience that then leads to potential clients and not just any clients, but our ideal dream client. Now with everything going on, if you are one of those therapists out there who's considering making telehealth a permanent part and a permanent fixture in your business plan to allow yourself to be more accessible or to lower your overhead costs or to spend less time commuting and just to expand your reach, maybe if you are in the States wanting to be able to see clients who are in your state of licensure, for example. Or maybe you're hoping to use this time to pursue your dream of launching or starting a podcast or of redoing your website 
or of really making some pivots in your business or taking the leap into private practice because you're beginning to notice that you really do value freedom and flexibility. Or maybe you're looking to find ways to diversify your income because you value security. And when things in the world turn upside down, you want to know that you have multiple streams of income coming in. If this is you, I've got you covered. This is the last week to enroll in Modern Therapist Academy, which is my comprehensive private practice e-course for all the modern therapists out there interested in doing any and all of these things, whether you're hoping to start your private practice or to make a pivot or scale your business, that e-course is for you. And you can find out more information at the link in the show notes. I also recently opened up my podcasting for therapists course, which is my brand new course that really walks you through step-by-step how to launch and market and monetize and record and edit your own podcast from start to finish. Now, if you're interested in either of those things, you can find more information at the link in the show notes. Enrollment for both those courses close this Friday, April 3rd, 2020 at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. All right. I'm so excited to share my conversation with Stephanie at Therapy Untangled with all of you. So let's get to the episode. You're listening to Holding Space for Therapists, a podcast for modern therapists. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm passionate about supporting therapists and building profitable, sustainable, and meaningful private practices. Are you ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Let's dive in. Hello, Stephanie. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. I am so excited to get a chance to have a conversation and connect with you a little bit more deeply. I mean, we are always sending voice messages back and forth on Instagram, so it's fun to get a chance to have like a full 45, 50 minutes to to talk to you. That's funny. Yes, we always chat. Thank you so much, Cassidy, for inviting me to today's podcast. I'm very excited to be here. I love your podcast. I listen to all the episodes. They're amazing and so valuable. (laughs) And I'm so glad I'm able to, you know, to add some value to it also. Yes. Uh, You're the best. Thank you. Okay. So first, a little bit of context. Tell us a little bit about you. What brought you to doing this work? What brought you to private practice? Tell us a little bit about your background. So I, I'm from Venezuela. I came to the U.S. when I was 17, and I always knew I wanted to be in the helping field. And one day I just realized that, I don't know, I felt like, like I wanted to hear people's stories. I was so curious about people and why they end up in you know, why, why suffering is created. And, and I realized, you know, that everything makes sense in context. And if we're able to make sense of it together and untangle, and that's one of the reasons why I created therapy untangle, because I feel that that word is, is one of the things that brought me to the field to be Mm -hmm. able to untangle our suffering so we can have more peace of mind. Mm -hmm. And, I I realized it was my passion. I did it actually without realizing it for a long time with my friends. I was the people that 
you know, that friends would come to, to talk to. And, and somehow I had this gift to, to help them get to the bottom of their suffering and, and what was the action that they were needing to take to, to solve their issues. And I just love it. I'm so glad that I'm able to make this, you know, make my posh, my passion a job. It's, it, it is definitely a privilege. Oh, it is. It is. Um, and tell me a little bit about how you made the decision to do this work in the context of private practice. Well, I graduated from marriage and family therapy, my master's, and I graduated and five days later, I gave birth to twins. <laughs> I, didn't, I did not know that. <laughs> yes. So I couldn't even attend graduation. Like they had to send me the diploma because I was in bed rest. I gave birth at week 32. So they were very, very um, little. They were preemies. Yeah. They stayed at the hospital for five weeks and it was very difficult. So I saw all of my friends that graduated with me. They were in agencies and they were, they had a job from nine to five. Sometimes later, they had a lot of paperwork to fill out. And I just never, I, I didn't know how I was going to be able to be a mom of twins while working at the same time and recollecting my hours. It was very, you know, like unrealistic ir- for me. Yeah. So I started researching if I was able to build a private practice while becoming licensed and, and I could, you know, I spoke with my supervisor, I did a little bit of research And then when I started my private practice, I knew because I've been a marketing person before for a home care agency, I knew that I had to go outside and market myself and my practice. You know, I needed to go to networking events and stuff and meet with doctors. And I knew that took a lot of time. So I knew it was going to end up being the same as if I worked at an agency, like, right. You know, a lot of time invested in being out there and I couldn't again because I have twins. So that's when I decided to start marketing myself in social media because that way I could do it from home. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that, Stephanie. You've I mean I know so our our whole what you and I were talking about, what can we what can we do this episode on? And we we're talking about the ways in which you have built a healthy, solid private practice based off of marketing solely pretty much on social media and being able to convert the people who are showing up and following you on social media to actual like clients, right? And I I didn't know that it originated this step for you out of, you know, a need, a need because you were needing this work to happen from home because you were taking care of two babies at home. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, it was huge. And it was my, my sister actually, um, my sister is one of my best friends and I have two sisters they are both like best friends for me. And one of them has a social media, I don't know how to call it social media marketing agency. That's how we Uh call it. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she's, she does an amazing job and she was always the one that started to telling me, started telling me like, you need to create an Instagram. And at that point, I 
didn't know that there were therapists that were marketing themselves on Instagram. I had no idea. And I would always tell her, like, I don't know if that's ethical. Like, I don't know what people are going to think if I start, you know, talking about this difficult subjects in social media. Like, I was very, I had a lot of fear. Mm. And when I started thinking about making my private practice public and talk about difficult subjects in Instagram, that it's such a social platform, and but then one day I said, yeah, definitely it was a need. And I said, I'm just going to start doing it. And I'm going to be honest, I, I started and I downloaded Canva and I am a really bad. I don't know how to design. I don't know how to use those apps where you can, <laughs> um, you know, create images and stuff like I had no idea. I've always been bad at it. And so my first Instagram was called Simply Therapy mm-hmm. and it was all like self-made and I had like no likes. My content was really good, but the images were really bad. Mm-hmm. So at that moment I said like, either I just give it up and, and get out of social media because it's not working or, um, I invest in, um, in, um, graphic designer Mm-hmm. Um, and I invest in a graphic designer because the Instagram has to be a little pretty for people to want to read and then see that the content is worth it. That's I what I that. thought. And I know I, there's a lot of therapists out there that their Instagram is not pretty and they still have amazing and successful practices. But that was my experience. And and that's when I decided to hire someone that I and. And I give it, um, I gave it a month. I said, I'm going to pay a month. And if I get a client, then it means that it works and I'm going to continue. If I don't get one client this month, then I'm just, I'll definitely close the account and, and realize it's, it, it's not working. And in yeah, that think, first, yeah. And in that yeah. first month, I got my first client. You know, I think that what's so, I love some of the pieces that you brought up here because I think that when it comes to showing up in social media and if you're, because not everybody's purpose for getting on social media as a therapist is to bring in clients and build their private practice. Some people are on there because there's other things that they're working on or other projects or just other values that are, or, or intentions, goals that are driving that. But I know that for myself, I can relate to this piece of, I knew that my ideal client would actually appreciate and would actually stay on my page if it was branded, quote unquote, pretty, which again, I, pretty, you know, the word pretty is like, we all have different interpretations of what that means, right? But like um, curated and like branded in some way, like I remember thinking like, I got to, it's like, I got to create something that like, will (laughs) like almost like hook them at first, right? It's like, oh, well, I want to see like, those are colors I like, (laughs) or like that's 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 an image that like captures my attention. And then, and then you can like, then you can hit them with the real stuff, right? But you have to, not the first, like you first, because when people are scrolling, like you first have to capture their attention somehow, whether that's in the graphic, the colors, the typography, the the logo, the image, or even just like that those first few words in the caption that like 
makes them realize, oh, this is about me, or this is something that's going to speak to me. So like, I'm always in the first few words of my caption, trying to say something like, hey, expecting parents, or hey, modern therapist, or hey, therapist who's considering private practice. It's like quickly, like quickly somebody knows like this is re- related to me, right? But I think it's so, it's so important to consider who your ideal client is or who it is that you're trying to reach because you're absolutely right. Like the whole idea of investing and having some sort of really branded curated feed is not necessarily what every, like every therapist or person on social media is going to think that their ideal client or ideal audience member is actually looking for, you know, like, um, and so it's really considering like, who am I trying to speak to? And it sounds like you were able to identify the people that you are trying to reach would appreciate the the having something that felt really branded and, and maybe curated that reflected your style and your voice. Yes, yes, 100%. And every month I could see how it worked. And it, for me, it was fascinating. It was really fascinating how having an account on Instagram can attract my ideal clients. Um, but I realized, and it was recently, I have a lot of therapist friends that also have a, an account and some of them have even huge following, like triple the amount that I have. And, and they ask me if I'm bringing clients from my Instagram and I say, yes, like every single week I have five new clients and I'm not kidding. And they yeah. would tell me that that they've been on Instagram for as long as I've been and they have even like so many more followers and likes and engagement than I have, but they're not getting the clients in. And that for me was very shocking because I thought like I assumed that every single person, every single therapist that wants an Instagram and had, you know, the engagement and the following that they were, they had, successful private practices and it's not like that so that's why I thought that this episode was going to be very valuable because I feel like yeah I mean if you're investing so much time because it's really time consuming to create content for social media then where are you seeing the the how do you say it um, the result, you know, yeah. and I know that definitely you're creating a huge impact, but how are you generating any type of revenue to, to pay for your time? Right. And to, right? Sustain, to sustain it. Absolutely. Um, so, okay. So what, what are you, what are some of the key factors that you're identifying when you take a close look at what you're putting out there that's then converting to like creating that bridge to clients that actually then take the step to reach out. They're the right fit for you. And it's, I mean, I, mean, I imagine that it's creating a, you know, sustaining practice where you're not necessarily worried that like, you know, if I, if, if I'm, if I'm transferring client, if I'm transitioning clients to, you know, once a month or where, you know, they're terminating because they reached their goals, you're not worried about, you know, that scarcity mindset of like, there's not going to be enough clients because you have clients reaching out all the time. So what are some of the key factors that you think have contributed to that experience and success for you? So, um, I love that question. So, 
I try that every post has some type of empathy because I feel like it's really easy to just give an advice or like, this is what you need to do, or these are the tips Mm -hmm. or this is what's going on. But I feel like people connect with empathy. So if you read my post, not all of them, but most of them, they're going to have at least one paragraph where it's the only thing that it's communicating is empathy. Like, I know it's hard. I know it's not easy. I know you may be reading this and feeling some type of anxiety because it's not easy to be um, in the middle of a conflict with a parent, you know, like I try when people, that when people read my post, they feel like I'm seeing them. It's not just information that they can read at a, at a anywhere, because the truth is that we're at the um, content information era, right? Yes. So I really yeah. try that because I feel that's what's going to be like, oh my God, she gets me. Like, I need to go to her office to hear these words from mm-hmm. her, to to see um, to, to tell my story so I can get that empathy. That's what people are looking for mostly when they're coming to therapy. Mm, it's so true because I mean, yeah, there, there are, there's a lot of stuff out there that's just content information, psychoeducation. It's like, and I think that sometimes it, it can also, I think there's also, we have to be really careful about the fact that when we're giving information and we're giving information with, without necessarily being able to sit with someone and really understand their context and their situation, that sometimes there's, that, that can actually be an issue. But it sounds like what you're, what you're being really mindful of is recognizing that, yes, I'm sharing information here and, and, I, and maybe it'll connect with you. But there's also like the human aspect of, of trying to actually bridge the, a human connection over a space that is like a digital arena, right? Which can be really hard. Like it can be so hard to feel that human contact in the digital space. But what I'm hearing you say is that you are trying your best to be really mindful of ways that you can do that. And in doing that, because you're right, when people reach out for um, therapy, they that's they they want to be seen. They want to feel connected at that human level. And so I I I hadn't really considered that piece, but I I love what you're naming here as as doing your best to try to to bring that human that humanness to to the content that you're sharing through empathy. Yes, pure empathy. I also try. I feel like one of the things that definitely has made more people want to come to, yeah, to my practice is lives, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the lives that I do. Well, this week was crazy. This week I did like almost one live a day, which is not common for me. (laughs) My husband was supposed to go away for the week and for the week. So I took advantage of that. He didn't end up leaving because of the coronavirus. But usually I try to do one live a week. And on that live, I try to select a theme that I know many people are going to relate with. And that's my opportunity. That one hour is my opportunity to show to show myself. And 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 it's not my branded self. It's like myself, who I am in therapy. You know, and, and when people connect with what I'm saying, when, when people connect with the empathy that I'm showing live and when I'm reading people's questions and trying to answer it in the best way possible, that's when people get to know who is behind this account. 
Mm. So it's not not it's not an account anymore. It's a person um who's offering to the world what what she wants to offer, what she knows, what she sees every day in therapy and and I think that's one of the like every time I finish a live, I have like 20 direct messages asking for services or maybe recommendations and I really really try really really try to respond to everyone's request obviously I have boundaries that that I also explain those boundaries in a very compassionate way you know if I cannot reply to a certain question that's very personal like I really try to do it as the most compassionate way I can giving some referrals out if they need to so so yeah oh I I would say that my experience with either doing lives or just hopping on like Instagram stories and like having it face me my face right yeah showing up in that way has has absolutely supported contributing to building my practice as well as well as the podcast because it's my voice. And like you're saying, not just a curated, um, you know, branded graphic that somebody is seeing on an account. Um, I know that for a lot of people, and I experienced this myself, and I think that you and I even talked about this a while back, like some of the anxiety around like showing up and like share and like like showing your face, you know? And like, I think that Instagram stories and lives can be intimidating. And I know they were for me for sure at first. And at some point, like at some point you, that kind of, that, that really does go away. (laughs) Like it's, you know, it's not perfect. I mean, I, I've done Instagram stories where like in the middle I burped because I was pregnant and that's like, I can't for some reason stop burping now that I'm pregnant. (laughs) It's like, well, that's, is, this is part of it <laughs> like um you know and I think it's it's I remember in the beginning I would like I would like I wouldn't go live because that made me too anxious I would do stories but I would like try to really make them perfect not that that was ever attainable but I would like re-record and try to not stumble over my words and um you know I think that I still do my best to try to show up very professionally and you know, add in captions so that people who aren't listening, because a lot of people don't actually listen to Instagram stories with their sound on. So like trying to make it, um, you know, as accessible as a possible without like, without the expectation that it has to be perfect. And like, there are some days where I'm like, if I'm going to hop on right now, like I really want to share this and it feels important, but like, I will feel more comfortable doing it if I use this filter. And I think that I struggle with that because I, it's it's not real. Like my face doesn't look like that when I use that yeah. filter. I look much more tired than that. And I have <laughs> a lot more spots on my face and freckles and, you know, like, <laughs> but I don't know. I, so that's one thing that I, I do struggle with. And I'm curious to hear your experience and thoughts with that. Yes, I 100% relate to everything you said. Like I would spend literally hours and that's something that I literally spoke with my therapist when I was in the process. Mm. Like I'm spending hours to record one minute videos. Like why? (laughs) Why? Why do I have this necessity to, for the video to be perfect? 
And that's something that I really worked on because I didn't want it to stop recording videos. But at the same time, while I got full um, with clients, I had less and less time to spend hours on videos. And I didn't want it to stop making them because I knew they were important. So I gave myself permission and it was hard. It required a lot of courage. to make imperfect videos where I said a word wrongly and I had to re-say it without having to record again, you know, where the message wasn't 100% perfect. Like I had to give myself permission and I felt, I feel like people appreciated that, you know, when I made a mistake and I just, you know, corrected it and, and then continued and then uploaded, like people felt it was more real. So they were able to connect with me better. And like, that's like, that's in, in the therapeutic process. Like when somebody comes into my office, like I'm not perfectly curated, like as a human, as like a human being sitting across from them, like offering them support. Like I mess up. I say the wrong thing. I stumble over my words. I forget a word. I look tired because I, and I haven't showered because I'm a parent and a human and, you know, pregnant and whatever. Like those are all things that show up in the therapy office. And I don't, you know, the digital arena, the digital space, social media, you know, I don't think will ever, ever and ever should be a replacement for those real human connections, you know, and what's going to actually happen in that therapeutic space between those, between you and whoever's in front of you. But it is, it is a bridge to sort of see who you are as a person, like what your voice sounds like, how you talk about different topics, like the fact that you are human and there is a human and a face and a person behind the account and behind the curated branded feed or graphic. Um, yeah. And at the same, yeah. No, I'm saying at the same time, I I wouldn't like my therapist to be a model. I don't know. I wouldn't like my therapist to be perfect. Mm, So, and I think one, that's one of the things that connects, that is that connects so many people to, for example, Nicola Lepera from the holistic psychologist that she shows up with socks and her messy hair, (laughs) you know, it's, Mm-hmm. it's one of the things that makes her more real and more relatable. And, and that's what I started to understand. And that's when I stopped trying to make everything look perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I hear you. And it's, and it's still hard, right? Because we are human. Like that's part of the humanness too, is like, it is, it does take courage and it does feel vulnerable and it does feel like you're being seen. And so I think that there's definitely moments where um, I have to ask myself first, like by showing up here, like, am, am I okay with doing that? Uh, talking about this topic, um, you know, for instance, um, this isn't something I feel comfortable sharing here in this space um, for this podcast. And I'll, it'll probably take me some time to feel ready to share it in the other one. But I've been, I've been kind of ruminating about the experience of being pregnant right now and how I've been taking care of my body in such a different way because my body is carrying this little human that I care so much about. And I've been thinking like, gosh, like why, why all of a sudden am I wanting to eat this healthy or take my vitamins every day or like, you know, between sessions, like really be mindful of letting go of 
pain that I was a witness to during those sessions because I don't want because my body, it holds that. My body's also carrying a child right now. And so I've been like, huh, why why now? Like, why can't I give myself that same sort of compassion um, and care for my body and, you know, <laughs> mindful of the things my body is holding and the things my body's consuming um, when I'm not pregnant? And, you know, I was thinking about hopping on stories the other day to talk about that, but I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm actually quite ready yet. Like I still need to process this for myself. Um, if I got like any negative feedback around this um, for any reason, I think that it's a little still too tender for me personally to kind of put out there. So that's just like an example of something that I was going to hop on and talk about. And yes, is very much me showing up as a human right now. I'm actually processing this right now, but I wasn't, but I wanted to be mindful of my readiness for that, you know, and it still felt a little too tender. And so I think that even in our efforts to show up as human, we still have to care for ourselves as humans while we're doing that. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And I love that you just expressed that. It's such a beautiful reflection. And I think many of us can relate. I can a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, um, I would love to, you know, kind of make a little pivot here because we were talking a little bit earlier about the importance of honoring the, how much work goes into social media. And, um, for me, it's, I really consider it like a big part of my business. And so I, I to carve out time for it, but I also want to make sure that it's, um, supporting me as well in the time that I'm putting into it. So I'm curious how other ways in which social media, social media marketing and the platform has supported you in diversifying your income in other ways besides yes. just, uh, you know, converting clients. Yes. So I, it's, it's definitely tricky. Like, it's it's not only for like the more I did it, the more I fell in love to to share. You know, for, I I started like loving to share what I knew or my reflections and also the validation that you get to be one hundred percent honest. Like that was something that I struggled with because I loved mm -hmm. the validation, so I needed to take a step back to not become addicted to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, the, first I definitely needed to step, set some boundaries and at the same time, understand that this was also a form of marketing and not only to get the validation, like I really needed right. to make that. Um, yeah, I needed to understand that because if not, it's very easy to fall for it and just lose the sense of. What is it for? And also, yeah, definitely carries a lot of the purpose, which is to change lives, which also becomes addictive. You know, the more, it does. Like every time somebody writes to me how a post made a difference, like I just wanted to sit down in my computer and write 10 more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. so it's really difficult to balance it all out. So that's something I've been working on and I feel I've been doing a good job lately. And, but in terms of revenue, I can I, I, started... can I jump in really fast because I, I want to talk about that. I love that you just named that and brought that up, Stephanie, because Thank you. I feel like there's there's I think these things can get there's there's two sort of 
ends of this, right? There's the end of like, you put all this thought into this content, you share it, and it's like it goes into the vortex of social media. And it's like, did anybody even see this, you know, Um, which is part of what makes, I mean, social media is built to keep us hooked in, right? It's like, and I think on both ends, like the, the way the algorithm works is like, you need to be on it all the time in order for people to be seeing your posts, engaging. People need to be engaging with your posts. And like, there's, there's, there's two ends to this. There's like, if I share something and nobody responds to it, it can actually change the way in which I like the value that I saw in that content in the first place. Right. I mean, that can go for for anything. Like I could share a picture of, um, I recorded a podcast episode with um, Dan Siegel a while back, and he talked about this, um, sort of the digital space and how like you could share a picture of something that was really meaningful to you, a really meaningful moment. And if, and all of a sudden, if it doesn't get enough likes, if people aren't commenting and engaging, it can actually change the way that we perceive that experience that we had, which is so scary and devastating. Um, I love love what you just said. Yeah, but on the other end of that, like if people are love, are people if people are really loving the things you're putting out there, and they're like this, th- you know, this changed my life, or this is like, this is this is this is huge, or like the, all that positive feedback. I think that it can also, yeah, be, that be, could become addicting, and or it can also, um, yeah, I think sometimes it can like it can shift into this sort of like. Um, mindset where we start to maybe lose a little bit of the humility that's really important to have as as humans, especially in doing the work that we're doing. That like we can't we can't change people's lives through social media. Like it's like we can we can share information and we can build bridges and connections, but like it, there's there's so much more that goes into this, right? And so I think that um, that can get become addicting too. And it can make us, but then like all of a sudden, if you share something and it, like it doesn't like do well, or you don't hear that feedback, then it's like that much more devastating because you were kind of hooked into the need for it to have that kind of impact. Oh, I, I'm so glad that you named that. I haven't really heard that talked about, but I know, but I know that so many probably relate to either both ends of those experiences. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, I'm sure a lot of people live through this because I've spoken with a lot of other um, humans with accounts (laughs) um, on other therapists on Instagrams. And they, it is, uh, I would call it a relationship with Instagram, like how's our relationship with Instagram. And what you said about the low engagement that some of our posts get that gets us gets us less excited about the content that we so with some out so much passion and effort created like there was a point in time where I had to like there was a a week where I posted a lot about abuse a lot about abuse I spoke about abuse in relationships sexual abuse physical abuse emotional abuse and that week my engagement was very very low Mm. very low but my private engagement my Mm -hmm. direct messages were flooded like nobody was liking nobody was commenting but when I looked at the insights many people had shared it with someone else Mm. 
And then I had a lot of direct messages, a lot, a lot of direct messages, like how they were going to seek help after that post or how that post helped them have the conversation that they needed to have with their spouse or contact domestic violence hotline or whatever it was like. I had a lot of those messages. So I created a post that it said engagement and I put like an arrow looking down impact and an arrow looking up Uh so and and I wrote a post about about that week like it's very interesting how when I post about something very inspiring then then likes comments and shares go up but then when I write about topics that few people dare to talk about that they're kind of like taboo topics like abuse shame the engagement reduces by like 50%. And when public engagement decreases, my private engagement increases. So, and and, and then I have to start questioning, like, what is my purpose here? Do I want the engagement because of my ego? Or Mm. am I looking to make an impact? Mm. And that's, that's really hard, you know, to like start distinguishing that and, and making a decision. Like there's people that are going to say, no, I want the public engagement. Like, and there's people that are going to say, you know what? No, I'm here because I want to make an impact. And if that means that I might, I'm going to write posts that are not going to get any comments because some people are going to be you know, afraid to, to be vulnerable in the comments or, or whatever it is, then that's fine. And that it doesn't mean that it didn't have the same impact. Uh, Can we, can we also talk, I know that I asked you about diversifying income before, um, but now I just want to talk more about this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to talk a little bit about making mistakes publicly on social media um, or like getting negative feedback. So, like, so last week I shared a post um, where I used the word mom tribe, like building your mom tribe. And there was a really brave follower who shared, um, you know, I love your content, but I really think that you should reconsider you, the use of the word tribe here. And, um, and then there was somebody who like responded to that and they were like, oh, I, I, I cringe when I saw it and like thought the same thing. And my first initial thought, I mean, I've had this, I've had these, I've made mistakes, but you know, um, I'm, I'm learning all the time before, but my first thought was like, oh my gosh, how did I miss that? Like, I know this, right? Like I've read the, I've read the, the articles about cultural appropriation. Like I know that there's, I know I should not have used the word tribe. Like I should just take it down, right? Like delete it. Like, so nobody, nobody, the mistake doesn't need to be seen. But then I was like, no, that's, this is like this is human. And like, there's something to like learn here, both obviously for myself to how, and, and how important it is to be mindful, but also to like respond to the, the, that these people who are brave and courageous in like naming this, right? Like, yeah. um, so I responded and I was like, you're right. And like, I need to, I'm going to, I need to think now about how, how I can like address this and like address this issue. This is really important. And then people, and then someone responded with like, you know, offering ideas of like other, other language that can be used. And it was just, it became this like 
beautiful opportunity and conversation, like in public, right? I mean, it was a public mistake um, and I didn't delete it. And I ended up sharing a post where I, I addressed it and actually referenced back to it so people could like see, see the error, right? And like, I don't know, it was just, it was, it was really hard. And I know that there's been experiences that people have had where um, people who, leave negative comments or offer feedback aren't so like kind yeah Um, right and so it was it was a real but it was like on both ends it just felt like a really really positive experience um to publicly make a mistake and I I want to just kind of keep it in my back pocket and I want to share it um because we're going to make mistakes especially as we are sharing things publicly and it's um you know, I think that we can we can navigate being human and sharing, having mistakes, and and have and take ownership over them, um, while still also addressing and learning ourselves, right? Like being reflective of of the ways in which we do have a responsibility as we're showing up and sharing information to like be mindful of the language we're using, the images that we're using, um, inclusivity, um, diversity, like humility, all of these elements. Yeah, I had exactly the same I did exactly the same mistake as you did I wrote a post and at the end was find your tribe and somebody commented why don't you put find your group like somebody was very just didn't like that word and I had no idea like I I just changed it because it wasn't my copy so I said okay then let's edit it and I just put group but I didn't even open myself up to curiosity to see why they didn't like the word tribe. Like I just changed it. Right. Um, so I'm glad that you're sharing this with me, but I have made, yes, um, some mistakes in the past where I said something that somebody thought it was racist and mm-hmm. it was a hundred percent not intended to talk about race. Like it was just right. a word that they didn't like um or words matter right words matter words 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 matter and I ended up obviously um apologizing and trying to see how to fix it and then I created another post because of that issue um talking about yeah how how it's hard um to hear these types of words and how we can I, I don't remember exactly what I did, but I remember like I, I based my next post on that. So yeah, we there are definitely moments where we can either get very defensive and, and I don't know, shut down and not be able to sleep because of the mistake we made right. on public or, or we can just see it as an opportunity to grow more and show yeah. ourselves up as humans. Right. And, you know, I think that I notice for myself if like defensiveness pops up as an emotion or a desire to like explain something or like, um, you know, advocate for myself and like what what was going on in my heart and my mind, that's usually when I recognize that like, huh, if that's showing up, like I actually should probably slow down here and take a closer look, you know, because, um, you know, I think that a lot of times being someone who carries a lot of privilege, a lot of these things are going to be invisible to me. Um, and that's part of the privilege, right? Is that I didn't think about it and didn't have to think about it. It's not something I think about every day. Um, and so, yeah, I think that it can be scary to, p- to put ourselves out there um, because there's a fear of making a mistake. And then 
there have been times where I've made a mistake or been called out on something where I'm like, oh my gosh, I just want to like curl up into the fetal position and like never share anything again. And that that I, that I have to reflect on for like my own sort of fragility around these things and what like okay like how can I slow down how can I be reflective how can I engage in dialogue and how can I learn and how can I actually let the learning if I feel safe in doing it how can I let the learning be public um, so that I can continue like just like we were talking about earlier like let myself show up as human. Loved having this conversation with you. Um, where can people find you if they're hoping to continue to follow your work? So thank you so much. Thank you, Cassidy, for inviting me. Um, you, they can find me on, well, Instagram, Therapy Untangled. Mm-hmm. And my website is therapyuntangled.com. Recently created a YouTube channel called Therapy Untangled, where I'm sharing all my lives there. Um, and soon, hopefully I'll have my own podcast. Um, but yes, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm a little, I, I feel like, um, I, well, I guess in another episode or whatever, to talk about the workshops that I do, that it's one of the ways that I've been able to, to monetize. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, yeah. So what we'll have to do is I'll have to have you back on to talk about diversifying your income and monetizing. <laughs> I just, I love. We completely went off track, but I 100% sure it's really important topic that nobody talks about. Yes. All right. Well, so that's, that's, that's it then. You're coming back on. Thank you, Cassidy. I hope you have a great day and take care of yourself. I really hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. Ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Click the link in the show notes for Modern Therapist Academy, a comprehensive e-course to support you in building and growing your private practice. Thank you for inviting me and my guests into your day. Be sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear when new episodes launch. Have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.